Welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hey friends, how many of you remember the very first music you purchased with your own money? I recognize that for many in this generation, that seems like an antiquated sort of thing to do, but believe it or not, there was a time where you couldn't listen to your favorite song, you know, just by going to your phone, that you, unless you owned the CD or cassette or album, um, that you couldn't listen to that song uh, just anytime you wanted to. Every, every once in a while I pause and I think about how amazing it is that we can pull out this device out of our pocket, this little mini computer, and if we think of a song, we can just call it up and listen to it in that moment. Uh, you used to have to wait by the radio with your like finger on the record button, hoping that they played the song that you were waiting for, uh, or you had to go down to the music store and buy it for yourself. Now, for those who don't know what a store is, it's kind of like Amazon, but each of the categories is in its own separate, I'm just kidding. But many of us can remember that first album we bought or that first uh, song that we purchased. Do you remember what that was? For me, it was Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Um, I remember picking out this record because I wanted Money for Nothing. Um, I also wanted Walk of Life, which were both tracks on the first side of that album. And that was the first record I, I bought when I was a kid. I, I was probably about 10 or 11. I remember buying it so that I could listen to the record on my dad's record player. I remember the second album I bought was Reckless by Brian Adams. And after that, I kind of lost track. And, and actually, probably didn't buy too many LPs after that because it was pretty quickly uh, becoming CDs that were the media of choice. And so I probably couldn't take you through which first CD I bought or um, you know all of the albums that I collected over my teen years, but I can tell you where I was when I first heard the band Poor Old Lou. I was in Hull's Bookstore in downtown Winnipeg I was on the hunt for some new Christian music because I had just come to know Jesus and I was beginning to discover that there was like an entire music industry that I had no clue about. I was in the music section of the bookstore and I was looking at this chart that said, if you like Nirvana, then you should try Newsboys or DC Talk. Um, if you like Green Day, well then try MXPX. If you like Metallica, like it had all of these like Christian equivalents to the bands that I was listening to. And just off to the side of that poster, I noticed this bright yellow CD with a pink bunny on it. It wasn't mentioned in any of the like, if you like this band, try this one uh, on the poster, but they were there was a listening station in the corner. And so I put on the headphones and I played Poor Old Lou's album Sin for the very first time. And the, the opening track has Aaron Sprinkles, like jangly guitar in it. Uh, that kind of had me hooked. But then as soon as his brother Jesse started playing the drums, uh, it told me all I needed to know. I listened to about 30 seconds of the first song and I bought the album. I grabbed that record and I nearly wore it out over the next number of months. Poor Lou is still, to this day, one of my favorite 
bands. Uh, the name Poor Lou comes from one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, it, from the movie, the or from the movie, from the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Lucy has uh, been the first one to find her way into Narnia. She's gone through the wardrobe. Um, they they were playing hide and seek. She hid in the wardrobe, walked through the back of it and finds her way into that magical place where she discovers the lampstand. She meets Mr. Tumnus, the fawn, and, and after having tea with him, she stumbles back out of the wardrobe and goes running out to her brothers and sisters to tell them about the wonderful things that she has seen. And when she runs up to them, she says, don't worry, don't worry, I'm here, I'm, I've returned. And her brother says, poor old Lou, hiding and no one noticed. Maybe you should have hid a little longer if you wanted people to start looking for you. What a great name for a band. Poor old Lou. Anyway, the, the first track on side two of that album is a song called Hope for Always. You can check it out on Apple Music or Spotify, wherever you listen to your music. But I have loved the title of that since I first heard it. And it's something that stuck with me. This idea that, that God has given us this hope for always. The last couple of lines of that song are, Give me hope for always, for all is falling on my knees. And you, with love and truth, will make us new, will hold us through. Hope for always. You, with love and truth, will make us new and hold us through. It was this song and these lyrics that kept coming to mind as I thought about the next series that we're gonna walk through here at Grace. As we head into the last few days of summer, we're gonna settle into the letter of 1 Peter. And hope is gonna be one of those themes that runs all the way through the book, having a living hope, a hope for always. And so I want us to spend the next number of weeks thinking about this idea of hope, hope for always. But before we get into the like verse by verse, you know, nitty gritty of the book, we're going to get into chapter one next week. We're going to take a bit of a bird's eye view of hope. Maybe expand beyond uh, just the book of First Peter. Look at a little bit um, more from the book of Psalms and some of the other areas where we discover hope in scripture. Where we can think about what it means to be a people of living hope in a world that is not our home. People of hope for always. Let's talk about hope. What comes to your mind when, when you hear that word? When you hear someone say hope, what do you think of? I, I, I think it's one of those words like love that tend to get used really often and, and in so many different scenarios that it sometimes muddies what we mean when we talk about hope. Like hope can mean something as simple as just like a positive intention or wishful thinking. Like it can mean, you know, to desire something. It can mean believe and trust, but it can also mean desire. Like I, like I hope that something happens. You know, I, I hope I get a chance to see Blue Rodeo at the Burt next month. Or I, or I hope I get to try out that new ice cream flavor before they run out of it. You know, it's, it's none of these, you know, life or death situations. It's just this like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if this were true? Or I hope that this comes to pass. You know, hope is this like slight increase in our desire. You know, it piques our curiosity like, oh, oh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Oh, that wouldn't it be nice if that were true? But it's not something we necessarily think too deeply about or, or hang too much uh, of, our, of our hope and dream on, right? It's not something that we can necessarily lean heavily on. Uh, hope as desire can get us into trouble, actually. It's 
if we place all of our comfort and security and, and joy into one specific, specific event or goal or outcome, you know, I hope that this happens in the future. I, I hope that I, you know, get this job or I hope that we can have this house or I hope if we, if we put all of our hopes into those things, we can end up disappointed. When we really want something to happen and it doesn't, we find our hopes being dashed. We find ourselves disappointed. This is where hope can get a little bit tricky. It's where we encourage people not to get their hopes up. You maybe heard that phrase or, you know, don't count all your chickens before they've hatched. Like don't, don't think too much into the future. Don't get too wrapped up in what might, don't put all your eggs in one basket. There's a lot of barnyard references when it comes to hope, but, but we encourage people to like temper your expectations, temper your hope because we often find ourselves getting disappointed. I wonder if at least part of the reason why we wrestle with hope and especially that understanding of it is because we often put our hope in the wrong place. Like rather than desire, what if we thought about hope in, in the aspect of belief or trust, something that we put our trust in? Well, we maybe don't want to put our trust into those things that are fleeting or that, that may or may not come to pass. Who or what we believe in or what we put our trust in will determine how strong our hope can become. Whether or not it's something we can lean on, something that we can put our trust in. Because hope can be so much more than just wishful thinking or a desire for something good to happen in the future. There are times in our lives where we need hope to be something bigger than that, something deeper, something truer. Some sort of trust, something that's more reliable than, you know, wishful thinking for concert tickets or, you know, having our sweet tooth with a sugar rush fixed. Real hope, hope that holds us in the difficult times has to be deeper. Hope for always has to be bigger than just this desire for something good to happen in the future. It's got to be something that lasts beyond a moment, not about these fleeting desires that we have. A hope that we can lean on, something we can hold fast to, a hope that even holds us. And this is the kind of hope that I'm interested in. Something strong, something almost solid, because it comes from somewhere beyond us and beyond our circumstances. It's grounded in something bigger, something beyond us. The Bible speaks of this type of hope, actually quite a bit. The Psalms are filled with prayers of God's people um, placing their hope in him, placing their hope in his goodness and his unfailing love and in who he is and his character. Psalm 25 verse 5 says, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. Psalm 31 24 says, Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 33 18 says, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. A couple of verses later in that same psalm, it says, May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Over and over, the psalmists declare and encourage us to, to put our hope in him. That idea of hope as trust, to put our trust in him, to trust in his unfailing love, to put our hope in God. This idea of hope as trust, not just wishful thinking, but placed on something eternal, unfailing. This is where hope finds its strength. 
beyond wishful thinking, beyond a desire for, you know, positive vibes, good vibes only. This is where we find our hope. Our hope is found in, it's grounded in God, in his unfailing love. Hope is a, a confident expectation, but it's grounded in the person, in the character of God. Our hope isn't based on human strength or ability, but it's on the unchanging nature of our Heavenly Father. This is where true hope is found. In the New Testament, in Romans 5, Paul writes in verse 5, he says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. Our hope is anchored in this love of God. Hope doesn't put us to shame because God has poured his love out to us. And that love is steadfast. It's never ending. It is unconditional. It is always for us. True hope is rooted in the character and the work of God. In another letter, Paul calls it good hope. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God the Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Good hope. God gives us good hope, eternal encouragement and good hope. These verses come on the heels of a, of a message of encouragement to those who are suffering. Those who one day recognize that God is going to set everything right, but it's not what they're experiencing right now. Yet they have this hope. They have this good hope, knowing that this is our great hope, that one day God is going to set everything right, to trust that we know who's writing the story and we know how it's going to end. Like God is moving. He's, he's moving history to a, a time where everything's going to be made right, where all will be restored and redeemed and renewed. There, there is going to come a day when no more tears will fall, where sin and shame no longer cloud our vision, where we'll understand God and all that he intended from the beginning, this idea of perfect relationship and perfect peace and perfect joy, that one day that is coming. And that's where we place our hope, that one day all will be made right. This is what hope gives us, this promise of a coming kingdom, a promise of a world renewed, that no matter how dark the storm, and boy was it dark when I was writing this on Tuesday morning, no matter how dark it gets, the sun still rises. It rises with, with healing in its wings. God gives us good hope. And that hope is not grounded in something like failing or faltering. It's, it's not on unstable or un, uh, unsecure ground. It's, 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 it's something that we can stand on, something that we can place all of our trust in. It's grounded in himself in God himself, in his promises, in his character, in his unfailing love, as the psalmist says. Is this the kind of hope that you live with? Is this the kind of hope that, you know, your, your heart is bent towards on a regular basis? When you think of hope, is God's unfailing love the first thing that comes to your mind? Because it isn't always the case for me. It's not always where my heart immediately goes. Because often our hearts are placed on, on things that let us down or people that let us down. You know, we hope 
for an outcome that depends on our own strength and our own ingenuity, or it depends on another fallible human being, and often it falls short. How many times have we gotten our hopes up only to be disappointed? Well, what do we do? What do we do with those misplaced hopes? Because the temptation for us is to stop hoping altogether, is to to not get too excited about the good stuff that might be around the corner. Until we have it in our hands, let's not hope too much. The temptation is also to look at the way that others have failed us or that we've failed ourselves and to put that on God and say that, like, God let this happen. Why would God let this happen? As followers of Christ, we're we're not exempt from the trials and tribulations of this world. We are going to face disappointments and hope, even the hope for eternity, doesn't guarantee that we will come through unscathed. Even having a hope for always, even trusting in the unfailing love of God doesn't keep us from trouble and strife. I finished a beautiful book by the Pentecostal theologian Charles E.W. Green, sorry, Chris E.W. Green, this, this last week. And there was one passage in particular that rang true for me as I was thinking about this kind of hope that, that holds us even in the midst of our disappointment, that we can trust in, that we can place our hope even when we've seen uh, our hopes dashed, even when we've had disappointment come our way. Um, the author was, was commenting on the death of Lazarus. And so quoting Chris, we read that the hard truth is that those who are dear to God are no more exempted from the stor- sorrows of this life than are non-believers, nor would they want to be. Still now, less than then, no less than then, it is a hard truth to hear that someone we love and someone we know loves God and is loved by God is ill. We inevitably find ourselves asking some form of this question, why does an all-powerful, all-good God allow any evil or suffering at all? If, in fact, God does love us, and if, as my eight-year-old son puts it, God has it in him to keep us from sorrow, then why is anyone ever ill or in trouble? Pausing for a second, this, this is the question of all questions, isn't it? This is where disappointment often leads us. Why? Why is this happening to me? Why would God allow this to happen? And I love what Chris has to say about it. He says, there is, in short, no good answer for us to give to that question. We can offer no adequate theodicy, no righteous justification for God. Instead, we have to live with what we have received, the hope that when all is said and done, God will show himself to be worthy of our confidence. I love that. We don't have a solid answer. We don't know why. We, we feel the disappointment and we wanna come up with an answer, but there is no really good answer. The only thing we can do is rely on the hope that's been given to us, that one day God will show himself worthy of our confidence. Chris continues, until then we pray and we wait. We pray the prayer of the prophets, how long, Lord? And the prayer of the apostles, come quickly, Jesus. But above all, we pray the prayer of Jesus, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the truth, isn't it? When we face disappointment, we turn our hearts to those kinds of prayers. How long? How long will we have to endure this? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We wait. 
We wait and we hope that one day this promise is going to be fulfilled. One day that God will show himself worthy of our confidence. Still at times that hope eludes us. Discouragement wants to weigh heavy on us. We get ourselves discouraged when we place our hope in those circumstances and in things working out the way that we want them to, in our plans, in our dreams. And when things don't go the way we envisioned or we take our minds off of the kingdom, the way we think things should go instead of the way God is willing things to go, that's where we find disappointment. When we take our eyes off of the potential that God knows more than we do, that one day he will set everything to right, that for some reason he's chosen not to intervene in this moment, that for some reason the world is continuing to go in the direction that seems so contrary to his will, but his patience is allowing that perhaps some might see, perhaps some might hear of his goodness and turn to him. We get ourselves discouraged, though, when we don't see him acting as quickly as we would want. And I think the challenge is we often place our hope in the outcome or in the way that God works rather than in his character, rather than who he is as God. Like the words of the old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It's only in him, not in what he does or how he works, that I place my trust. Holding on to hope means placing our hope in the one who holds us. That even when things don't go the way we had hoped, we know that there is one who still holds us. We know that there is one who still walks with us, even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death. This is the good hope that God gives us, that he is with us. Hope that is anchored in his character and love. It allows us to navigate through the darkest valleys with, with some courage and some perseverance to know that we don't walk alone. Paul speaks of this kind of hope in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. Read, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we yet do not have, we wait for it patiently. I imagine that Paul's words resonate with so many of us. We understand the frustration and the suffering, and we understand that inward groaning. We feel it deeply, that the things are not going the way we had hoped. Things are not going the way that we would have planned. But we hope for that redemption, for these broken things to be made whole. We wait patiently, even as we groan inwardly, for that moment when God sets everything to rights. But it's about placing hope in him, in his promise, in his unfailing love. To have this good hope, this hope for always, we have to nurture that for it to be strengthened in us. We have to strengthen that hope in God. Well, how do we do that? Well, 
We do it through prayer. We do it through by like getting to know God and understanding his character by hearing his voice, regularly listening for the voice of the spirit, resting in his presence, trusting that even if we don't understand, he knows the way forward. We build that trust by reading and meditating on scripture, learning about his character and his love, seeing the way he's worked in the past. We build that by connecting in community, by hearing the stories of other people who have seen their hopes realized, who have trusted through difficult times. We lean on one another when the hope that we have in our hearts doesn't feel like it's enough. We lean on each other and and that hope becomes enough as we do it in community. When we hear the story of God's faithfulness and care, Hebrews 6.19 beautifully portrays hope as this anchor for our soul, firm and secure. As we draw closer to God, our hope deepens. It becomes this unshakable foundation in our lives. This is what we seek, this hope for always, an anchor, a solid rock, something that we can lean into. But this hope isn't just for our own hearts. It's not just for our own assurance. It's not meant just for our own peace of mind. It was never meant to be kept to ourselves. It's rather something that we share with one another. It's something that we share to bring strength to one another as we gather in community. It's meant to be shared with those who are desperately seeking hope, who have been placing their trust in things that are fleeting, that aren't going to last. We've been called to be bearers of this life-changing message. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. We'll talk about that in a few weeks as we get into first chap- into the third chapter of 1 Peter. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to be talking about how this living hope impacts our regular lives. How it not only holds us, but it spills out from us into the world. That this world is not our home. So we wrap up this first message. As we do that, would would we remember that our hope isn't limited by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's an eternal hope. It's a hope for always. It's anchored in the love and promises of our Heavenly Father. That this is the good hope that God gives us. Hope for always. That in you, with love and truth, you will make us new. You will hold us through. Let's pray. Well, God, we we need your good hope in our hearts. Not a fleeting hope that rests on transient and insubstantial things, but but a hope that's rooted in your character and love. Hope that's trustworthy, that will carry us through the difficult seasons and storms. A hope that believes, that that trusts, that, that knows that you are going to one day make everything right. And until that day we pray, come quickly, Lord. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you give us hope for always, that we might share that hope with everyone that we meet. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope, see what I did there? We hope you'll join us for the next five weeks as we dig into 1 Peter and and talk about what it means to have a living hope in a world that is not our home. We have a few more events coming up uh, as we are still in our best summer yet. Head over to the website. For all the details, sign up for our second annual softball classic. Just as an aside, as we're going into August, if you call Grace home and haven't had the opportunity to be with us in person over the last little while, or haven't had the opportunity to give, um, August tends to be one of the uh, more challenging months 
for us financially. Uh, summer always is a little challenging, uh, but this year with uh, getting fewer grants than we had anticipated, this August is turning out to be even more uh, tight than normal. So if you haven't given in a while and you want to, uh, we'd appreciate your generosity over the next number of weeks. You can do that on the website or through the giving station if you're with us in person. We do appreciate your faithfulness in giving uh, and looking forward to closing off this best summer yet in a really strong way. We, we hope you have an amazing long weekend and that the God of all hope fills our hearts with goodness and grace. And so until we see you again, may this blessing go with you. May the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes. The love of God be reflected in your hands. The wisdom of God be reflected in your words. And the knowledge of God flow from your heart that all might see and seeing believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace to you.